You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs to the right wing side. Nylander in the slot. Matthew scores! Give the guy in goal an assist, even if it's the third assist. Great shot by Matthews. Enormous save by Murray. Fed over on the wing from... A shot by Nylander, and he scores! I think Vladder's going to want this one back. That go right through him. The Leafs with a shot. Scores! to the point now to Marner. Far side. Marner with a pass in and a shot. Scores! Mitchie Marner! Scores it in overtime! And the Leafs win it 5-4! to four. Mitchie Marner wins it in overtime. Feels like an appropriate way uh, for last week to end. It's been the Mitch Marner show for, what, like six weeks now, Frankie? He's got some big, big energy, JT. Nice. Love the Lizzo reference. Love the fact that we're both in growth fits on this Monday morning. I think our producer, Steph, is also uh, in the gray on gray sweats. This is what happens when it snows. It starts snowing, and you're like, I got to get the sweater on, sweats on. I don't want to leave the house, so we're doing the show remote, but we got big energy. It's Monday. Leafs are playing fantastic. We got a ton to talk about. 22 games in a row with a point for Mitch Marner, who is feeling 22. And everything's going so right for the Leafs right now, Frankie, that they even managed to pick up a win in overtime, which have been scarce <laughs> this year. I know, uh, I know. It, it was a little, the overtime was a little unconventional. Keith went with an interesting starting trio, and everybody kind of followed their brows. Yeah, I like I it, like too. It. And, and how hard do you think it would be for a coach in that situation to look at his bench and say, okay, I got a guy that scored 60 goals last year. I got a guy in a 22-game heater. I got Tavares and Nylander, who are incredible players in their own right. But I'm starting with my guy, David Camp, and a couple defensemen, because I know if I can get past the first minute of overtime, maybe I have a chance at winning one. And Jonathan Huberto with the high stick on Rasmus Sandin, that leads to the penalty, and uh, Mitch Marner just did the rest from there. Yeah, we'll have Mike Johnson on in the next couple minutes to talk about it more, James Myrtle, uh, in the next hour. It's almost a brave move, though, Frankie, because... Like If that wouldn't have worked, you know that Keith, just like that game in the playoffs where he started Justin Hall and, and all the chatter was about that, if, if they lose that game in OT, he's got to go stand in front of the media and answer their questions yes. as to why he didn't have his big guns on the ice. But his big guns haven't been pulling it off in OT. But also, okay, so I have a lot of experience in playing like three-on-three after practice and a lot of times we'll do like the defense versus the forwards okay and you would think that in in that situation where you got to be crafty in tight areas and and make these awesome plays the forwards would always get the better of us but they had no clue how to play defense so oftentimes the defensemen would win those little three-on-three games those mini games so you know i i have a hard time believing that calgary would have scored in that first minute and then like the, the, the best players for Toronto, the guys who are usually starting overtime, it's like they want to win it right away. It's like they right. don't want to wait to win it maybe in the fourth minute. Um, and so they've gotten themselves in trouble that way. If you just get past that that opening little uh, block of overtime, maybe those guys could have won it, but they didn't even need to get that far. 
Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And I feel like we've buried the lead so far, Frankie, because boy, was William Nylander feeling it on Saturday night. Five point night for him. And I feel like sometimes I think to myself, have we been giving Willie Nylander enough love for the season that he's been having? Because it's it's been really impressive. Uh, it's just tough. You're telling me Al's brother, Al's brother hasn't been giving Willie Nylander enough love this year? Is that what you're trying to tell me? No, 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 no. I just mean in general. With Mitch Marner doing what he's doing, uh, John Tavares having a good season, Austin Matthews heating up. I don't know if Willie's been getting enough love, but uh, with that five-point night on Saturday, I, I think that uh, – People are lining up to give him the love. Well, you know, you know who's going to give Willie Nee and Willie Nylander some love. It's our guy MJ. Okay, wait, but I have a bone to pick with our TSN hockey analyst Mike Johnson. I had a message drafted for you last Thursday, MJ, because as our TMZ celebrity insider who had in-depth mm-hmm. information on the Kardashians' whereabouts in Vegas, I I was shocked to see Haley and Justin in the second period without you tipping us off that they were there. Like, what the heck happened, MJ? You were supposed to give us the insider info that they were in the building. Well, Julia, the insider game is a tricky one, and it's tough to right. navigate. <laughs> so sometimes you got to trust your sources. I knew they were coming, but I couldn't let it out of the bag too early because they didn't want to make a scene. So... You know, I had a little word with them after the game as they were waiting outside the leave room to go in and say hi to the boys. But no, it was funny because they were sitting right across from me. And I mean, quite, in the most obnoxious not, outfits ever. Right. Well, I mean, you know, she was wearing whatever, a jacket and glasses. She looked normal, but he was wearing a very bright, you know, bubblegum pink, purple coat. So it was hard to miss. But I do love the fact that they were in the crowd, not in a box, no security standing around them during the game or sitting around them during the game. And for the most part, everyone left him alone. Like, he was high-fiving guys when they scored, but like, people weren't, like, all over them asking for pictures and autographs. They were just letting them enjoy their evening, which I quite respect out of the Toronto crowd. So well done, Toronto crowd, even though they're super famous. I mean, Justin Bieber at this point is, what, maybe Taylor Swift and him are the two most famous artists, musical artists in the world or North America. Um, I love how you said Taylor Swift and not Rihanna, Johnny. That's right. Dude, I'm a Swifty all day long. You know what's funny? right, Johnny. And speaking of us having things in common, Johnny, we're both number 20. Have you seen the pictures that circulated a a few years ago of Haley Baldwin at the time rocking the number 20 Leafs jersey? Did did we ever get to the bottom of whose jersey she was wearing, mine or yours? I think it was Jeff Farkas, personally. But, yes, no, we never got to the bottom of it. Uh, But you know what's funny about that, though? You have these random things, like, Back when the internet, I was just starting out in in Leafs, and like the internet was just kind of like message boards and all this kind of nonsense, you know, right? And um, Ginger Spice, I think the woman who's married to the Christian Horner, the F1 driver, uh, team principal from Red Bull, uh, and on her album, she did like a solo album, and she thanked a Mike Johnson. And I had more people you. think that that it was me. I'm like, no, I am not the <laughs> muse for Ginger Spice's solo project. But it's just, you know, you never know. So maybe I'm going to go with Haley Baldwin absolutely was wearing my jersey because she liked me playing for the Leafs before she was alive. Yeah. I like it. I like that theory. Yeah. You know, the first te- – there's a lot of Swifty energy happening today. The very first text we got from a man named Ron and Vaughn was that we better start Leafs lunch with the song Feeling 22 by Taylor Swift. Uh, we didn't mm-hmm. do that. Miss on our part. Anyways, MJ, Nylander, amazing night uh, on Saturday, five-point night for him. He's been off to a really good start this season. I don't know if you heard us right before you came on talking about whether we've been giving him enough love just because of how good the Leafs have been offensively. Do you think we're starting to see the true potential of who William Nylander is in this league 
just with him maturing and, and really having more consistency? Um, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I mean, there's no doubt he's been excellent. I'm not, I'm not debating yeah. that for at all. He's been awesome. In many ways, he's been the best forward on Toronto this year. Uh, Mitch has been incredible. The streak is awesome. Uh, you know, it's so much fun to watch him play right now. But, I mean, if you look at some of the different metrics, goal score to game score, average game score, goal score, above average, whatever it might be, he is, he is higher than Austin and Mitch right now. So, I mean, he had 80 points in 81 games last year, 34 goals. So, I don't know how much higher he can go than that. He's on pace for 90 right now, 92 or whatever it is. You know, if he's a point-a-game player and a 35-goal score or 40, that's an upper upper echelon player in the NHL, and that's what he is, and that's what he was last year. So I do agree he's been better, but I don't think like this is a massive light bulb moment where he's taken a quantum leap from the last few years. He's been really good uh, for about four years now. So um, he's just kind of building on that. I think the one thing that you come to appreciate now when you watch with Nylander play is that he – He's as like he's so strong on his skates. He's feels like he's the best zone entry guy on the Leafs. Like when it comes time, to, like we need a guy to skate the puck in the offensive zone and, and get some zone time. He does it as well as anyone, including Austin Matthews, including Mitch Marner. He, he does that, and he's got this underrated little toe wrister. And Frankie can appreciate like he never looks like he's trying to shoot hard. Of course, he's trying to shoot hard. But even Austin, when Austin loads up as fast as it is, like you can tell. Here comes a heavy, heavy shot. When Willie loads up, it's like he just kind of flicks it. But it goes very hard, very accurately. I've always admired his shot because it, it looks effortless, even though it is very effective and very hard. Johnny, when I look at the progression of Willie Nylander and where he started mm-hmm. at the start of this contract to where he's going to be going, like <laughs> it, it's two years, and then he's a UFA. And it almost feels like it's like the perfect for progression for by the time he's a UFA to say, you, you thought that was, was, was what we went through with the contract? Wait till you see what we're going to go through this time around. So, But Frankie, are you willing to concede now, four years in, that that was an unbelievable contract that he signed? I said it the at the least. time. Yeah. I was Too bad I wasn't on, on the airwaves, but I remember saying to people at the time, like, guys, 6.9 for Willie is going to be more than fine. This guy's a hell of a player. And it was weird that it had to go to December 1st at that time because thinking about it, I'm like, this is a no-brainer. This should have been done well in advance. But there, that's how it went, and, and it's going to be very different the next time around. Well, I mean, probably, you know what? It'll probably be the same, but more. You know what I mean? And, and I fought that same fight, Frankie, on the radio for about a year, with, especially when he struggled the first year back from the contract. But anyways, we digress. But you're right. I mean, he's going to be coming up to UFA. The cap will have been bumped twice, so probably bumped up to what ninety-two million or something. And he's going to say, "Okay, uh, I'm a forty-game guy. I'm a thirty-five goal guy, and I've done it three or four years in a row. That now is not worth eight million dollars. That is worth, you know, nine. What it, no, nine or ten, nine and a half, ten million dollars, whatever it might be. And he's young enough. He's only going to be twenty-eight when that contract comes around. So perfect timing for him to hit it again." But that's a bridge for another day because I don't even want to think about no. how the Leafs right now are trying to plan for that that summer with Austin being up and, and Willie being up and trying to keep this whole group together and everything else. But right now, 
It's amazing, Julie. We talk about the Leafs, right? And nothing matters until the playoffs. Doesn't matter the regular season. But, you know, better than the alternative. They've lost one game in 20. Yeah. Game in 20. Like, that's not normal. That's not normal. And no. so they should be fully commended for how exceptional they've played for the better part of a month and a half. I'm so glad you said that, MJ, about the contract. I don't even want to talk about it because as soon as the contract came up, I was I was like in my head trying to think of how to change the subject because I don't want to talk about it either. It's, <laughs> it's so yeah. difficult. So let's talk about Mitch Marner's point streak instead. He made it 22 games on Saturday, MJ. Uh, I'm glad I have you and Frankie today because I feel like me and AB have just worn ourselves out of singing Mitch Marner's praises and thinking of new ways to do it. What else can we say about Mitch Marner's point streak and, and just the confidence he seems to be carrying right now? Well, I, I think there's two parts about it. One, I, I would bet, and it feels to me like the pressure to score points now is alleviated. Now that he's got the record, now it's all gravy, right? Like I don't. I think those last few games leading up to 18 and eventually 19, I, I think he felt a little bit of the stress. He'd come so far, he wanted yeah. to try to own that record to himself. Now it's like, yeah, just go out and play and let it let it buzz as he does, and and then he can go. But what I am impressed with. And especially, I don't know, Frankie, as a defense, it might be a little bit easier because, you know, your energy systems, you might be able to get closer to your better game if you don't have your absolute best energy. But I think for forwards, because there's a bit more skating involved in forwards, I'm so impressed with his energy, Julia, that like every single night I watch him, I'm sitting there between the benches and he's out there warming up and we're six minutes in, I'm like, Mitch has got his legs again. Every day, Mitch has got his legs again. And of course, once you have your legs, when you're as smart and as hand- talented in the hands and the vision and everything else is there, it all works. But it only works when you have the emotion and the energy. And he has that. And to me, that, as a former player who found it hard sometimes, three and four, back-to-back, travel, sleep, life, like, I don't feel great today. And it's hard to find that version of your best self. And he has put his best version of his game on the ice almost every night. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome to watch. He's having a lot of fun with it. Uh, was it two games ago I was doing the game, and they're going back and forth, and he, he scored that great one-timer over Jonathan Quick, and you could feel the crowd react. It was a fun night where kind of the crowd was pulling for him. So um, he's riding the wave right now, and it's, it's, it's very impressive. But the energy of me, Frankie, is, is what sets this run apart. Yeah, and, and the thing that sticks out to me, Johnny, and, and you and I watch a lot of hockey especially the fact that we have to cover other teams in and around the league, the level of execution that this Maple Leafs team plays with on every single night, like I don't see that from a lot of other teams. There's there's teams some nights where I'm watching, I'm like, this is dry, it's boring, they're not on tonight, and it's like we got to find something to talk about here. But with the Leafs, mm-hmm. like the, the, the level of execution that they have every single night, like you, you can bank on it. It's it's really really impressive, and and not every team is like that. Yeah, absolutely, I, I think there's two, Boston and Jersey have come, and they're the two best teams in the league ahead of Toronto, and they're the teams that play kind of like that all the time, and and it's wildly impressive. Again, last game I covered was the game against LA. That was as clean was the word I used to describe it as clean a game as I can remember the Leafs playing. Like just. Four checks, breakout, puck possession, decision making, puck battles won. Other than Pierre Engvall playing, you know, Paul Bunyan on on Jersey's head, it was like a really, <laughs> yeah. really clean performance. And yeah, it's it, it's impressive. It's impressive, and it shows maturity, shows leadership, professionalism. Because it'd be hard at this point if you're in the Toronto room 
whether it's Toronto or it's whatever, some smaller market, Arizona. Like when you're going this well, it's hard not to think you're pretty good. They must think they're pretty good, but um, but they're not playing like they're taking anything for granted, which is a credit to everybody involved, including Sheldon Keith, who's doing yep. a very good job as well. Uh, with our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson. And you mentioned the really clean win last week versus L.A. I saw the deserve-to-win-o-meter on Money Puck, and it was one of the most obscene ones I've ever yeah. seen. And then there's the win on Saturday night versus Calgary, uh, which was a little bit more of a grittier win. Matt Murray probably had his toughest game back since his injury, not not his best performance. And, and there was every excuse to lose on Saturday night, but they're really finding different ways to win right now. Yeah, it's not always going to be pretty. It's not always going to be your goaltender. It's not always going to be the Stars, although the Stars really have been very consistent. But just finding when games go a different direction, if it gets to be a bit high scoring, a little chaotic like the one on Saturday, still finding ways. Um, when it's low scoring and tight checking, when there's lots of penalties, when there's no penalties, you have to be able to do a little bit of everything. And I think this Leaf team, and maybe that's been the, the, the common thread that fans should be excited about is that this team has found ways to win games when the games aren't necessarily played exactly how they would prefer to play them. And, 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 that's, and that's a compliment to the team, that they don't mind when it gets defensive or physical or chippy or whatever. They're, they're just kind of comfortable and can adapt and find ways to win no matter what, which is good. Johnny, that one was against Calgary was a little bit of a throwback Leafs game for me in the sense that there were some defensive blunders, some turnovers, mm-hmm. goaltending maybe wasn't the best. But then the offense turned it up, and you outscored your problems. And I kind of looked at it this way. It's like, if you're going to go do a game, Johnny, and you throw on your A++ suit, and you look in the mirror on your way out the door, and you say, Johnny, you still got it. And for the Leafs to have that <laughs> kind of high-powered, <laughs> yeah. for the Leafs to have that kind of off, a high-powered offense after a stretch where they've gotten great goaltending, they've played very good defensively, you look at it after the game, boys, we still got it. Is that the way it goes down for you? Listen, I'm bringing the heat. I'm doing the game tomorrow night to the bench, and I'm coming with the A-suit, Frankie, after that pep talk. <laughs> still got it. I'm, you know what? I, you know, everybody, they, the Leafs would like to score more, right? Everybody always wants to score more. Um, but to know that it's in there when it hasn't been there. But I think it's kind of been trending. I'd have to do a quick little, you know, Excel spreadsheet. But if I were to track their shooting percentage, it's been trick, trickling up like the last three weeks. Like it's kind of regressing back to where it should be. So they are scoring more now, not just Austin Matthews, but the team as a whole. And, and, and so I think, yeah, it's, it's nice to know. Like they're encouraged to be patient, stay with it. The goal should come. They're doing enough to warrant more goals in their scoring and then to be rewarded that is a good thing. So a lot to like, too. And one other element, too, about Saturday night's game, Frankie, the power play since Morgan Riley has left the team has not been great. Might dig into it tomorrow night during the game. But it hasn't been, the numbers haven't been great since Morgan Riley's left the Leaf roster with injury. Not to say Sandy's doing a bad job or anything like that, but just the numbers haven't been good. But to see them score some power play goals when they needed it, to win the game, to stay in the game, another nice little piece of the puzzle that wasn't really clicking that had a big impact on Saturday night's game. Yeah, Johnny, we're going to get into that a little bit later because, as you know, I'm from Woodbridge and currently live in Woodbridge, (laughs) so that means I get a lot of texts from my buddies in Woodbridge who seem to think that the power play has been fantastic since Morgan Riley has left, and you don't Mm -hmm. need Morgan Riley anymore. And at some point in today's show, I will be addressing that and saying how ridiculous that statement is. 
I will I will be tuned in. And, and one other chat point I thought was fascinating, and I, I, I love kind of the nuances. Now, we follow the Leafs very carefully, right? So anything they do differently, I find interesting because I want to – I think I understand why, but I think I understand Sheldon Keith. So starting camp, Milgren and Sandine off the opening face-off in overtime. We know the Leafs had led the league in overtime losses. I think they won their first one and lost like six in a row. So they're trying to figure out how to do that. And I think where – Sheldon Keefe elected to go, which I think kind of is interesting because it's against the grain, is that he starts three defensive players. One, camp to win the faceoff. So if they win the faceoff, then probably Sandina Lilligren back up, pass it around a little bit while the other guys change. And then you get your good players on the ice, or not your good players, but your offensive players on the ice with the puck, and they can try to go score. So that's one part of the strategy. The other part is if they don't win the faceoff, then camp and Lilligren and Sandine are more equipped to waste their energy checking until they get it back and then once they get it back, they kill some time, make the change, and get your offensive guys back out there. It's like twofold. One, win the faceoff and change. But if we don't win it, we're fine. We'll let these guys expand the energy, use their defensive acumen to eventually get the puck back, whether it takes 90 seconds or whatever, because that's where they've gotten themselves in trouble previously. And then we get the puck back, and then we get our offensive guys, and we see what happens from there. Now, plan wasn't for Sandy to stick his face in front of Huberto's stick, but it worked. But I did like yeah. I did like the change in strategy. They're thinking about different ideas to try to to try to improve an area where they haven't been great. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, Sheldon Keefe is definitely coaching his butt off right now. I, I thought that was he a is. great great move by him. I, I was saying to Frankie before the show that it was an interesting one in that he probably would have had to answer to it post game if it didn't work out. But but uh, why Julia? I, like doing it the way they've been doing it. It's not like they've been winning. Right? Oh yeah. Well, Johnny, exactly. I was explaining. I was explaining to Julia that you know when you play those three on three games after practice and and you go defense versus forwards, a lot of times the defense tend to win those ones because they actually yeah. know how to yeah. defend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Like the best, the best way to win in three on three, unless it's a brilliant sort of crazy effort, is to kind of like break up a play and counterattack, a B chance, so you get an A chance. Like you know, yeah. like, kind of like force a turnover, create a they knock something down, and then go the other way. Rarely in a three on three when you're cycling around, are anyone really good enough to get in for a great look? But if you can defend well enough, which is why the defense always win those cheeky games we play after the thing with Frankie. Um, if you defend well enough, you go the other way and give yourself the, the next better look. And the, so they're they're working on some things, even though they haven't lost in you know a long, long time. Yeah, and in saying that, the winning the division looked a little bit impossible at the beginning of the year when the Leafs were uh, going through their early season woes, and Boston seems like they were never going to lose. But now, mm-hmm. does it look in sight to you, Johnny? Well, I mean, it's three points, two games in hand for Boston. Boston, at some point, will slow down. They've lost two of their last four, which is a major drought for them because they've been going so well. But it's, it's, you know, it's early. Of course, there's plenty of time left. But I do think it should not be lost on Toronto that winning the division might be important because it looks like, you know who's going to be in third? Tampa. Right? Like, if you finish first, you're going to get Detroit or Florida or some team from the Metro, Washington or the Rangers, or the Island, like whoever. If you get second or third, you're going to play Tampa or Boston. Those are the two teams I want to play the least right now in the first round if I'm Toronto. Well, Jersey would be tough too, but you know what I mean? Like if you can somehow avoid those teams by winning the division, like that matters. If you want to give yourself the best chance to not only win a round, but win multiple rounds, winning the division does matter. Can't chase it. It's so far away, but at least they're within – touching distance 
uh, now Boston after this crazy run that the Leafs have been on. Yeah, it's been a crazy run, and it's been a, a treat to watch. Also, MJ, I was in your spot on, well, more noodle spot, but we were talking between the benches. I, I was liking the look between the benches this weekend in Ottawa. I was I was scared for my well, face Ottawa's a bit, nice. but it was a good time. Ottawa is plush. Yeah. Deep, lots of room to move around. The, the one in Toronto is not nearly as safe. Like, the one in Toronto, the glass is right behind you, and it's very tight. And a puck, I almost got clipped with a puck against LA. It went right by my cheek. I saw that. I actually it was, saw the, that. The as replay well, Johnny. was crazy. Johnny, oh. let me ask you something. How much bubble gum is on the floor there in that little booth where you stand between the benches? I run a tight ship, Frankie. I have a clean office, it's my workspace. I got a towel in there. I towel up all the water slops around. No, they, they keep it clean. It's good. And, like, literally, okay. I have a towel down there. So when the guys, like, stop and spray the. The dasher with all snow and you know water goes on there. I I, I tidy it up. I I run it. I'm like a good barkeep. I can a little. I'm shining the bar at all times. I expect good. nothing less from you. I like honest. it. Noodles has it pretty clean too. It's a it's a good closing shift, guys. Nice job, uh, MJ. Thank you so much for joining us and for the insight. We'll we'll catch up with you down the road. All right, squad. Have a great day. And Frankie, I don't know. Steve, Haley was probably wearing a Corrado jersey. Let's be honest. You're more her I demographic. Did. She likes glasses. She wears them, and you wear them. It's a good pair. Ah, good point. Our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson, confirms it was a Frankie Corrado jersey that Haley Baldwin was wearing. I like it, Frankie. Yeah, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. Thank you, MJ. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys. Uh, Mike Johnson, our TSN hockey analyst. What a gem. What a gem. What a gem. Yeah. Well, so that picture came out. that picture came out, and, and she was wearing the 20 jersey, and then I was like, well, I, I don't believe it's obvious. It's not my jersey. Like, she has no idea who I am. Plus, I don't actually play. I'm more of a mascot at this point. So uh, <laughs> look for some more pictures of, of the jersey, and then it actually did say Baldwin on the back. Oh, okay. just happened okay. to be, yeah, 20 was, must so have been her, her favorite number or something. Was it the year, 20? No, because that it, was were back those photos in from that- 19? That was the, the Matthews Marner first year, sixteen seventeen. Oh God, that was a long time ago. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll be back with more reaction to uh, Saturday night's game. We'll keep getting into it on the other side. For now, you're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN ten fifty. Matthews has done it again. Now back to Leafs Lunch on TSN ten fifty. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada, the perfect gift for any occasion. Uh, Julie Cherry and Frankie Carrado with you today on Leafs Lunch. Our buddy Al's brother is uh, enjoying his sixth or seventh cruise of the year. I'm, I'm not sure where we're yeah. at cruise-wise what, with AB. Okay, so what is it with this guy? He loves cruises. Like every He's got a time stamp card or something. Guy- I don't know. Every time this guy goes on a vacation, he's on a cruise. He's like, like he's a cruise guy. Like that's his brand. He's cruise guy. Yeah, I don't. He's like my. You know favorite. what comes with that? You know what comes with being cruise guy? Cruise wear. Like there's a different kind of apparel. <laughs> I thought that you were going to say being retired. Probably that too, which he's not <laughs> far from it. But like cruise wear and cruise vacation wear is different than normal beach wear or you know vacation wear. Like, are you aware of this? I, I've never been on a cruise. The concept kind of scares me. I'll be honest. I'm a little bit of a oh, I'm not. I, 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 if if you're a cruise person, sorry, I don't mean to offend you, but I would never step foot on a cruise. I, okay, I just, it's not for me. 
I'm terrified of them, too, so I'm glad we're on the same page. Yeah, there's definitely more of a... I, I don't even know what the discrepancy is, but I know what you mean. It is a little It's different. very Tommy Bahama. There's, like, right. a lot of, like, free-flowing, button-up kind of stuff, and it's... I feel like um, there's a hat very, involved. There's like definitely a, stra- straw hats involved yeah. in that. Um, we'll see if we can I, get some pictures of Al's brother and, and maybe post them on our social media accounts. I completely agree. Last time he was on a cruise, it was... Actually, no, not last time. Two times ago when he was on a cruise, he was rocking the luchador mask with hilarious Instagram stories. So I hope we get a similar similar showing from him this time. Um, yeah. Okay, so I am a Daryl Sutter lover. Uh, well documented, I have... I don't know why I believe this, but I believe that Daryl Sutter would like me. I would just talk about the farm, and I think we'd get along on that. This is a this is a belief that I have personally, and I hope I never meet him, so uh, my theory can't be proved wrong. But I think Saturday night was the first time that I really disagreed with something that he said. Uh, before what? we react to it, let's just let's just play it and and see what Daryl Sutter had to say regarding the officiating and a bias that must exist towards the Leafs. Here it is. Well, that's one thing I learned a long time ago, Eric. When you're in the in Chicago all those years, when you play and you come into Toronto, you know what goes on. I won't say nothing more. But this is two games in a row. You guys had a lot. So then, write about it. I mean, do you think they were all penalties tonight? I don't. So. So. I don't know, AB. Like this is, or sorry, Frankie, not AB. This is hilarious to me because, like, yeah, the league is the league is definitely rigged in terms of the Leafs. Look at how much success they've had. It just is so obvious yeah. that the league is rigging it for the Leafs. They're in the Stanley Cup Finals every year. The referees yeah. carry them there every. Actually, Luke Wilson has just chimed in with his reaction to that. That is absurd. You're right, Luke Wilson. Correct. That is absurd. <laughs> um, if the Leafs were getting the benefit of the doubt from referees, I don't know. Can I go back to last year's playoffs when Justin Hall gets called on a moving pick uh, oh, when John Tavares scores? One. Like how many? How many examples? We can go do you back want, to like, Kerfoot getting that high stick when it when we watched the replay. Was that the Kerfoot well, one? Listen, and they ended up at, not at hitting the end him? of the day. Julia, at the end of the day, penalties are penalties. When you go back and watch all those penalties that Calgary took on Saturday night, which one out of those are you looking at and saying, well, that's a questionable one? There might yeah. be one. But if you look at the way the league has been called this year, anytime your stick gets horizontal and it's a cross check and there's movement through the body, it's getting called. It doesn't matter what team it is. It's not It's not about being an, in Toronto or the old Chicago Forum. The, like those days of where, yeah, we go into Chicago or we go into Toronto and we're getting local referees that are biased towards the team. Like, I, I'm, I don't know, I'm born in 1993. I don't, I don't know if that ever happened, but I can tell you for certain it doesn't happen now. Like the referees, no. if, if, if you're from Waterloo in Ontario, you'll go do a game in Florida or Carolina, like there's no such thing as local bias when it comes to referees. Plus, all these refs, they get their games reviewed. So like, just like a player has to sit there and eat the video of you playing like garbage, <laughs> referees have to do the exact same thing. And it, it, like, how lenient do you think, you know, these, these managers and, you know, supervisors are with them? Like there's, these guys have a lot to play for the referees. Like they're 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 jobs that pay well, and you know you're you're at the top of your industry. Let's say like you, you want to stay there. And so when I when I look at those high sticking penalties, those are automatic calls. Those are not discretionary calls. Like your right. stick hit the guy in the face. What is he supposed to do? Matthews is bleeding. It's a four minute penalty. If anything, 
Daryl Sutter should have been happy that that Matthews getting high sticks by Hannafin, where he was bleeding, was only a two-minute minor because Bunting and Lindholm were in a little bit of a scuffle, and Bunting got the extra on that. So the Leafs only had a two-minute power play coming out of that. So I, I just I don't, I don't get that one. I don't see it, and to agree with Luke Wilson, I think it's absurd. Yeah, honestly, and I'm big on, I, I'm never one to shred referees because I really do believe in the law of averages. Like, for every call that that we think is missed, like, things average out towards the end of the year. Being a ref in the NHL is one of the most difficult jobs I could ever imagine. The game moves really fast. You don't have any help out there. you got to make the calls in the moment. It's a, it's yeah. a difficult It's a difficult And and, and to your point, Daryl Sutter's a very good coach. He's had a lot of success in this league. I, I, I think sometimes coaches like to do this thing where they kind of deflect from their oh, teams. Just he's to, a gamer. You know, because, that was, a, that was yeah, a play. Like That was for sure uh, That was a drawing attention away from how bad his team listen, was. Listen, for, for the way Calgary's been going, they haven't been playing well of late. The night before, Friday night, they were in Columbus, and they played a horrible game. And then they come into Toronto, and like they don't generate a ton against the Leafs on on Friday night, and they got like they got outplayed. Like for the fact that Toronto, Matt Murray didn't play very well, and Toronto had some blunders defensively early on in the game. But after that, yeah. Toronto put on a clinic. Like the expected goals at all strengths for that game, Toronto just over three, Calgary's one point three. Like Toronto more than doubles them up them up in that regard, and um, so I mean. I think it's just a, a pure deflection, just to say, I don't want to have to deal with questions about my team tonight or my star players or Hugh Bordeaux in the, in the same kind of narrative that I've been facing all season long. It's like there's there's different buttons you can push as a coach. So he just pushed the one that said, blame the refs. Yeah, you know, and the smartest coaches in the league, I will say, are pretty strategic when it comes to talking to the media after the game. John Cooper's really good at deflecting. Daryl Sutter, That's the first we guy that comes to mind. Maybe even Sheldon Keefe at the beginning of the year when things weren't going well and he became the story <laughs> in the media. I don't know. Was it a strategy? Maybe we could say so now. I don't now. know. He was running hot at the start of the season. I don't think he's running that hot anymore, though. <laughs> yeah. But just to, just to summarize that conversation on, on the Leafs and power plays, we're going to have James Myrtle on in the next hour, and, and we'll reference his stat. The Leafs are 28th in power plays awarded per game in the last five years. So I think we could comfortably put that to bed. And we have about five texts in the last five minutes that all say, Gretzky, high stick. So oh, we can, there you we go. We can put that away. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, we also have another incredible text that I, I meant to read aloud. It says, charcuterie. Pretty charcuterie. good, right? Charcuterie. Is that in, yeah, it's... Al's brother being on the cruise. It's in reference to the king of charcuterie. Crushing, crushing charcuterie boards, yeah. Yeah, also being the king of Although Al's cruises. brother, like, he likes the homemade stuff, and they're not going to have the homemade stuff unless he snuck it in in his luggage and he's legitimately got a board in his room and he's just firing up charcuterie boards that way. You're telling me you don't travel with a spicy sausage in your luggage? Because I sure do. I do, not. <laughs> I do not. But you know what? Like when, when I was younger and we were playing these minor hockey tournaments, we would travel with two things. Uh, maple syrup, because we would go to these breakfast joints and they didn't have like real maple syrup. So we, we weren't going to have like the So Canadian the it hurts. Yeah, we weren't going to have the, the nonsense stuff, which some people do like, uh, but we weren't doing that. And then we would always travel with like some sauce like some red tomato sauce and yeah. like a burner so we could make pasta in the hotel room because god forbid we had the bot the, the the pasta at like a Olive restaurant Garden. that wasn't <laughs> italian or like you know i don't want to 
you know, I don't name any restaurants that we might be going to back in those days, but no, yeah, anywhere that you went we that was pasta. not going to be known as. So it, it doesn't even matter who we name. It was it was not going to be known yeah, as. Yeah, so. leave it to the Italians to travel with tomato sauce. I will say tournament. that is very like Vaughn hockey parent. That is uh, that's next level. I can't say we ever did that on our T Bay tournaments, but I respect the no. hustle. Um, yeah. A feud in the NHL we weren't expecting. Frankie, between Zdeno Chara and Kevin Bieksa, and I feel like you have more insight uh, to this than almost anybody working in media right now, except for maybe Kevin Bieksa himself, because you know a lot of the characters involved on that Vancouver team. Um, So before we get your thoughts, I'll just summarize exactly what happened. Chara went on a podcast, and... He said that the turning point of the 2011 final, which in, in my mind is still one of the best finals I've ever seen before, uh, was that when the Bruins found out that the Canucks were practicing handing the cup around to one another in practice. And, and he kind of, his statement kind of devolved as he, as he went on. First it, was, um, first it was, we saw, and then it was, we heard they were calling the league and seeing if they could bring extra people to the game in the case that they did win. Um, in game six in Boston, like the story kind of changed as he was telling it. Um, and then BXO went on hockey night in Canada on Saturday night and, and totally shut it down. Uh, said that that leadership group that we know is one of the greatest leadership groups. Uh, it was such a great group out in Vancouver during that time would have never done that. What do you think? There, there's got to be some <laughs> element of, of the Bruins that thought something was going on and, and you, you hold on to what you can in a mental battle like that, right? You take what you can and, and you use it as motivation. Um, but BXO was not overly pleased with, with the allegations. No, why why would we be pleased about that? That's such a it's such an embarrassing thing to be accused of and And that one you know, probably like, still you, stings. Like twenty like for that was sure. their like shot. When, yeah. That was their shot at it. There was so much lead up for that Canucks team. Um, you know, in, in the prior years of losing to Chicago every year and finally getting over that hump, and now you have a chance and you won the President's Trophy. And, um, you know, to be accused of that, like, I'll be honest with you, JT, like, if, if you were in the Stanley Cup Finals and you were up in the series and you were in the visitor's barn and you were going out uh, practicing lifting the cup, don't you hear when it comes out of my mouth how kind of pathetic that sounds? It's insane. Like that, it's insane. There's no, there's no chance. There is 0% chance that that actually happened. Like, and, and you think about it, and Kevin Bieksa hit the nail on the head. He was talking about the first ballot Hall of Famers that are on that team that we just saw this season in, in yeah. Daniel and Henrik Sedin and Roberto Luongo. And Kevin was a big part of that leadership group and Alex Burroughs. And, you know, I was drafted there two weeks after that Stanley Cup final happened. And I could tell you, like, those guys were, were awesome. They were great leaders. There's, there's just no way that was ever going to happen. And then from the Boston point of view, hey, whatever you need, like whatever you need to give you a little more motivation and you won the Stanley Cup and Tim Thomas played incredible and, um, you know, it was, it, it, it was, it was great for them. But in, in, just think about that. Like this, this is 11 years ago now and you're coming out saying that they were practicing lifting the Stanley Cup. You won your Stanley Cup. Chara, you won your Stanley Cup. It's over. Like, And, and I'm actually surprised that Bieksa didn't go into more detail about the series in itself and be like, hey, you won your Cup. Be quiet about it now. Because, listen, you guys, you know, there's Marchand is punching Daniel Sedin in front of the referee three, four times, and there's no call. Uh, Aaron Rome got suspended two games in the middle of the series. You know, we already had a depleted decor to begin with. So, I mean, there's so many things that happened throughout that series that I would just be like, okay, just 
Put it to bed. Leave it alone. There's no reason to kind of go after Bieksa and that leadership group for doing the saying they did something, which they obviously didn't do. No one in their right mind is going around practicing lifting a Stanley Cup um, in the Boston Garden. Yeah, I I can't decide how I feel about the whole thing. I understand why it's like those that specific practicing passing around the cup is a crazy untrue allegation but i also don't doubt that like it would have taken one call to the league that got leaked saying hey can we bring our families to game six and and how many people are actually allowed on the ice just in the off chance that we knew in and that evolving into some story that the boston but that's pretty normal like like teams no i agree bring teams bring an extra airplane full of family to the game if it's going to be done on the road that's a normal occurrence so i I don't know why that needs to be like more fuel, more motivation. Like, that that happens every year. Yeah, I just mean, like, something clearly, the story got twisted, maybe even intentionally, to use as more You know what it is? It's like, like they're, I believe they're that Chara around. believes something was up there. For sure. They're sitting around the room. Someone comes in, oh, did you guys hear this? And then it's kind of like a little bit of, uh, you know, like Chara likes to say, bulletin board material, but... Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a whole nothing burger. No one in their right mind is practicing lifting a Stanley Cup. There's just, it's just a weird thing to do, and these guys are professionals. They're some of the best hockey players to ever play the game. It was, it, it's such a, such a nothing burger. Yeah, bizarro. Um, just before we go to break, uh, we'll, we'll have a little, little fun on the other side, but before we do that, Nick Robertson, we got an update there over the weekend. Uh, he's going to be missing six to eight weeks. He won't be having surgery. They're going to attempt to rehab it. Uh, so a little bit of a silver lining to a, an unfortunate situation for, for young Nick Robertson, who just can't catch a break. Uh, and with that, it's uh, me, Julie Tajeri, and, and Frankie Corrado. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Go to leasebusters.com. Welcome back. Julia Tashiri and Frank Carrado with you. We're going to have James Myrtle uh, in the next 15 minutes or so to kick off the 1 o'clock hour. Leafs coming off a big overtime win this weekend. Yeah, I said overtime. They haven't got many of those this year. What is that? Their second one? They're 6-2 and two in OT? Uh, but a nice two and one. 2-6 six now. 2-6 and six now. Oh, did I say 6-2? Six and yeah, two. the opposite of that. That'd they would be, nice be right up there two. with Boston if they were six yeah, and two. Yeah, that'd be a great, great thought. But, not but you know case. what? They're nipping at Boston's heels, and you know it, it's going to be. It'll be good to see them down the stretch because Boston's going to have to like take a little bit of a step back at some point. It's it's not a sustainable pace that they're at, and the Leafs should be like they should be putting a lot of emphasis on winning that division, like MJ referred to. You want to stay away from playing Boston or Tampa in the first round of the playoffs. No, we've seen that film before. We did not like the ending. Uh, yeah. Leafs at practice right now. They they practice at noon. It just wrapped up. They're wearing their their Bieber gear. I, it's hilarious. We've not how much we've talked about Justin Bieber today, but maybe they'll be wearing their reverse retros. Uh, well, what are the Bieber ones? The I don't know. You know what? Is, I, those I are not their reverse you, retros. JT, I got to be honest with you. It's a little too much Bieber for me. There's a lot of Bieber but, happening uh, right now. There's yeah. a lot of Bieber happening right now, but I don't know. It's got to be quick. Shout out, Biebs, but you know, I'm not like a huge Bieber guy. But You're you know, just salty because nice he didn't come on to your post-game show. I was I was a little upset. Yeah, I reached out to his representatives many times over the course of the night, and I got, I got flushed. 
You texted Definitely. Austin and you said, well, Justin, that was you reaching out to his representatives. Uh, Wayne Simmons in a gray jersey at practice, projected to be a scratch tomorrow. Pierre Engvall, big, mean, evil Pierre Engvall, will return from his one-game suspension. He for will his... be attempting to injure again. Oh, no, underrated won't. Sheldon Keefe quote of the year. You've seen him play long enough. You know he doesn't yeah. play with an intent to injure. Hilarious comment from him. Uh, otherwise, things are fairly status quo at practice. There was a Jake Muzzin sighting, uh, but he's been around the team quite a bit. He's been on the bench, and, and Jordy Ben actually took part in his full um, first session back with the Leafs since sustaining that upper body injury, but doesn't, uh, doesn't look like it's he's going to... encouraging. Connor Timmons played a little bit more on... On Saturday with TJ Brody and like when, what do you thought of that pair so far? Yeah, yeah, they've been they've been pretty good. I, so I I watched Connor Timmons a lot because it kind of reminds me of me a little bit. Um, you know, a guy who was hurt a lot, although I was hurt later in my career, but also just had a hard time kind of establishing himself in the league. And I I really wanted to see how is he going to assert himself and and what's his skill set like. And when I watched him play, you can tell there's some rust in, in his feet. Like, that's where I notice it first. He's a little heavy-footed. I know the first game in Dallas he was falling a bunch. I would blame that more on the skates. But Yeah, there know, was definitely a gear thing happening there. Yeah, but, like, as far as his hands go, his dexterity, like, his, his ability to make quick decisions with the puck and, um, you know, creative plays with the puck, all that is there. Like, you can see there's a good, there's a good mind for the game there, and there's, you know, there's a lot of good puck abilities there. If they get him working with what I like to call the skate doctor, who is Barb Underhill, who it's like it's like when you go see Barb, it's like uh, bringing your car for an oil change. You just you know everything's yeah. a little smoother and under control. Um, there's there's something there. Like there's something there. He's he's a got to stay healthy. He's got to give himself an opportunity that way. But like if he can get a little more fleet of foot um, and understand that he can use his feet to get him out of some situations on the ice. Like that could be a good that could be a good pickup for this team. He's got some good puck abilities. Yeah, I used to love in junior. It was it was the trio that the Leafs have now in Hollowell, Sandine, and Timmins, and they were all disgusting on the point. I don't know how to put right. that professionally, but well, they were their skill set yeah. was crazy. And Sandine was always the best of the three of them, but Timmins was better than. Hollowell in, in junior and his I don't know he just goes well, so Timmons skilled. Well, was a first round pick. Like there's he has some pedigree there as as far as you know being a good player at a high level. And I like the fact that he played with T.J. Brody. And, and me and the Tatman were watching that pair a lot because we wanted to see how Timmons did, but we also wanted to see how Brody did. And yeah. Tatman looked over to me and he said, "You know what? Haven't said Brody's name much tonight. Haven't really noticed him much." And I kind of said to the Tatman, "Like, isn't that That's when what you we?" Want. Isn't that when we say, like, T.J. Brody's playing his best hockey? It's like it's just a smooth, easy, simple game. He facilitates everything, and um, they they did a good job. And, and it helps like it helps for a guy like Connor Timmons, too, that you're going into a lineup of a team that's playing really, really good hockey. Like, if yeah. he was going into into the lineup of, you know, I know Arizona's won some games recently, but that's a whole different story. Like, you're, you're, you're getting put into the soup. Now you've got to problem-solve a lot. And you're thinking, okay, like now I'm in survival mode. For this guy now, it's like, you know, the game in in a sense is a little easier for him. Every time this guy looks up and has the puck, there's someone open. There's someone available. You know, he's playing in the offensive zone a lot. He's playing second power play minutes. It's it, it's a very good, it's an advantageous opportunity or situation for him to get his feet wet and get his game back, um, you know, to be in that first-round pick. Yeah, so much with players and and. 
developing has to do with luck and timing and and uh it seems like he's in a good spot to succeed right now which is nice he hasn't had that yeah early on and in jt you were you had a big weekend yourself you were at the pwhpa all-star weekend down in ottawa it was a treat it was a treat frankie uh like working with the women's hockey is so fun the crew is so fun first of all imagine tessa benam cheryl pounder like myself it, it's just a good time they're they're a good time kenzie yeah. lawn is the best time ever we have a great crew uh on women's hockey behind the scenes on tsm but the girls this weekend were so good uh dj smith showed up and showed out on on sunday yesterday as a and kendall coin I... kendall coin schofield like won the fastest skater again by of a country course. mile not even by a country mile like the girls no. were all in the 12 13 like close to 12 13 14 range was the fastest really, really impressive skater <laughs> lap is really impre- i saw claire hannah just tweeted a quote from dj smith um that he was really impressed just by the speed. I always find that's the closest comparison in, in men's and women's hockey. Like, the girls skate really, really well now, pretty much on, yeah. on par with uh, with the guys, and that was on full display this weekend. I, I have the video on my phone of Kendall's hot lap, and just the perspective from on the bench is, is crazy to see how fast she And was. you were on skates? Weekend. Like, they had you on skates doing interviews and, and getting around the ice? I was whipping around out there, Frankie. I, I was having a good time. I was a little uncomfortable without a stick in my hand, but I, I had the stick mic, and it, it was a close second. They should. You should have brought a stick just to, like, I don't know, feel more comfortable. Yeah. I looked at Poulin. I was like, you want to you race? She was like, get out of here, Julia. And uh, I, I did that. I got out of she there. She didn't want the smoke. <laughs> I didn't want the smoke. Uh, we're going to have James Myrtle join us on the other side. Keep getting into this game Saturday and, and the Leafs and this hot streak that they're on right now. For now, it's Julie Tashari and Frankie Carrado. You're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. Hour 2 coming at you next.